Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm actually taking the week off of hosting this week, so I'm just going to right away turn it over to our hosts today, Ishita and Jill. All right, we're taking over. Uh, (laughs) Hi, everyone. I'm one of your hosts today, Ishita, and joining me is Jill. Hi, Jill. Hi. All right, so today you may have noticed that things are a little bit different. Sean is no longer in the host seat, Jill and I are, and that is because in honor of Mother's Day, which is on May 9th, uh, we are talking about mothers, and more specifically, mothers who are blind or visually impaired. And with us, we have two wonderful guests and wonderful mothers, Sean and Lavette. Hello. 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 Thank you for joining us today. I'm really excited to be a guest for a change. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, so maybe we can go around first. Uh, you guys can introduce yourselves briefly to the audience as well as uh, describe a little bit about uh, your vision. So uh, I have retinitis pigmentosa. I was diagnosed when I was five years old and gradually throughout my life, my vision deteriorated. So by the time I became a mom, I was pretty much just light perception with a little bit of shapes and yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of um, peripheral vision. Uh, My blindness is caused by prematurity, excuse me. And um, I got too much oxygen in the incubator. So it's retinopathy of prematurity. Oh, me too. (laughs) And I have light perception and pretty much that's all I've had my whole life. Uh, There's another ROP. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i just was really excited to uh host this topic with ishida today because hopefully one day down the road i um would like to be a mother but i would also be a totally blind mom so i thought it'd be really exciting to hear um your guys' experiences yeah so similar to jill uh you know i am interested in being a mother one day maybe. Um, And I just always wondered what it was like for a blind mother to be a mother, because I know a lot of aspects of being a parent is very visual. So I was just curious to talk to you both and and learn more about what your lives are like as mothers. Um, So yeah, just starting off, we were just interested in knowing more about your kids. So just like how many kids you have, how old they are, any other information you want to share? Okay, sure. Uh, I have one child. He's seven and a half, and um, he's fully sighted. Uh, I have two girls. One is almost 16. Can't wait to drive. Uh, She's in grade 10 and wants to be a school teacher, high school teacher. And my other daughter is 21 and has moved out, and she works with animals. Wonderful. So going back to when you both were first expecting to be mothers, was there any major concerns that you guys had at the time regarding to being blind and being a parent? I think my whole life I had concerns about being a blind parent. 
Uh, definitely as a teenager, I, I wasn't really sure if that was even something that was like, could blind people be parents? I, I had never met any and I, I really worried about that. And so I, I was kind of, I, I used to say that I wasn't sure if I was going to have kids, but mostly that was out of like worry that I probably wouldn't be able to. Uh, not so much that I didn't want them, although I was never a gushy baby person. I kind of always wanted to just have a four-year-old or something and take it from there because that seemed <laughs> easier once they could communicate. So yeah, I had a lot of concerns. Um, by the time I became pregnant, I knew some blind moms and I knew this Ooh. was a thing um, that I was possible for sure, but definitely I was still really nervous. Yeah, I think for me, um, I know when I first found out for sure I was pregnant, I was at the doctor's office and I had a really busy street to cross to get back to the bus stop. And I remember, you know, I've done this crossing a million times and it was fine, but all of a sudden knowing that I had a little one inside me that I was now responsible for, I got kind of anxious mm. and uh, the receptionist was really good and uh, guided me back across the street. I mean, I yeah. kind of got over that, but it was just sort of an initial, oh my goodness, <laughs> Um, I think I worried a little more about how people would view me as a blind mom than my own capabilities. I grew up with a brother and sister who were quite a bit younger than me. So I had already learned a lot about um, babies and that kind of thing. And I had a friend who had a baby a year before me or maybe two. I can't remember. Anyway, she really let me be hands-on with her baby. And it was her first baby, which really surprised me, but she uh, had no qualms and that really, really helped. Um, closer to my due date, I got a little more anxious. I was on a blind parents email list and somebody on there mentioned they were fighting to have custody of their child because uh, once it was, the child was delivered, there was talk of them not being able to raise the child because they were blind and that the child might be removed. And that sent me crazy. And I don't know if it was hormones or, or what, but I, I got really, really anxious for both of my girls. I had a midwife. I still had a baby in the hospital, but I had a midwife who I had developed a relationship with and felt very comfortable with. And she was very encouraging. And I knew I would have home visits with her for a short time, at least. Um, so for me, that helped a lot. Well, that's, it's, I had the same concerns cause I had heard stories of like how I would be treated in the hospital and through the pregnancy experience of being pregnant and blind and, and people's views of that for sure. Um, so I can totally relate to that. Thankfully, I never had any any situation where I felt threatened in any way or judged or anything. I was very pleasantly surprised because I was kind of bracing myself for that too. It's nice that it seems like you both had like a good support team behind you, whether it was like doctors or family or a midwife in Levette's case. Um, and yeah, it's just nice that like, I'm not sure about you, Levette, but Sean, at least you said you didn't really have any negative experiences from like, people judging you or anything. So that must've been really relieving because I could see that being a really big concern, right? So, well, there's enough to worry about when you have a baby, if you have to worry <laughs> about sure. those other pieces <laughs> that, and, and with my own insecurities, like I was, mm -hmm. I wasn't sure I've never had a baby before. I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't think any new mom really fully knows what 
to expect. But yeah, yeah when you've got that anxiety on top of it, it it's uh, you don't need that <laughs> for sure. No. no, I actually had a doula um, for my I mean, I had the baby in the hospital as well, but I kind of just wanted, well, I'm a planner. So I, I had a birth plan. I had all the, you know, I, I wanted control over as much of this <laughs> situation as I possibly could, as I do with most, thing, most things in my life. Um, so that was, it was nice to have that extra person there through the whole process to kind of advocate on your behalf and explain what was going on. And that was really great. Yeah. The midwife was good for that too. You know, we, we talked it all ahead of time. She knew what I did and didn't want. And um, she was very supportive. So mm -hmm. out of my own curiosity, because you mentioned a midwife and Sean, you mentioned a, a doula. Yeah, I think it's a, what is is there a difference? There is a difference. I don't know if mm. I could explain it like accurately. Um, mm. I don't know. Lavette, can you explain what a midwife is? Yeah, well, I think I know the difference. A midwife actually has more training than even a doctor on childbirth. Wow. Um, and so, uh, and a midwife is with you through your whole pregnancy. Your time with her at each appointment is longer than it would ever be at a doctor's office. Um, she'll take as much time as she needs with you for any questions or concerns. Um, sometimes we'll even start labor with you at home and follow you to the hospital. Um, she stays with you the whole time, encouraging mm. you and helping you. And, um, yeah. And like I said, she's there afterwards as well. From what I understand, a doula is there for the actual delivery to help during pain and coaching and all of that. So, oh, okay. Yeah. My doula was, she was actually our prenatal class instructor oh. and, and then <laughs> nice. had mentioned that she was a doula. So, I really liked her personality. I just felt really comfortable with her. So we hired her, but we met her a couple times before the pregnancy went over the birth plan. And then she was there through the whole thing. And then also a couple visits afterwards. So, you know, she helped a little bit with breastfeeding, latching, that kind of thing as well. She was lovely. It's awesome. It sounds like you knowing her made it a lot more comfortable for you because you're essentially inviting someone into a really private aspect of your life, the birth of your child. And I'm assuming no, knowing her beforehand must have made you feel a lot more comfortable with having her involved with the whole experience. I, I didn't even know what a doula was before I was pregnant. And I think, yeah, I think I was pretty scared. And I think just meeting her and hearing that that was a thing. I was like, yeah, I'll take some extra help here. Um, but yeah, I don't, you know, if I hadn't met her while I was pregnant, I don't know if I would have gone that way. It just, the universe provided what I needed, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And for me, for the midwife, I didn't really know about midwives in a big way. I thought they were kind of from, you know, way back when idea. And uh, my doctor actually suggested it. She sort of forgot or took her words back later, but <laughs> she did suggest it because I wouldn't have come up with it on my own. And um, so I explored the option and found it was covered in medical and thought, wow, okay. And I mean, I liked it so much. I did it a second time with the midwife and actually I had the same midwife the second time around. Oh. So that was great because she knew me already. So that's a difference. It's covered where I had to pay for the doula. Oh, it's private. Yeah. It's interesting how that all, like you, like there's more options, I think for just support mm -hmm. like through pregnancy and birth. And even like you said, a little bit afterwards, like mm -hmm. there's just so many more options that I think people don't even realize 
of course, until you go into that situation, but like you just expect to go to the hospital, have your baby and leave for the most part. (laughs) Um, But obviously there's a lot more to it than that. And there's a lot more support, Mm -hmm. Um, which especially being like a new mom, but also like possibly being blind or visually impaired, I could see that being a huge help. Yeah, as long as they believe in you as a mm-hmm. visually impaired person, right? That's kind of... Yeah, that's a good point. Because for me in the hospital, I had issues with, well, with my first one, you know, again, first one, you are you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> By the second one, you kind of know the, the ropes, but um, although there can be surprises, um, but with the first one, you really don't know what you're doing. And, and I found that the nurses in particular didn't really know what to do with me. My husband mm-hmm. was able to stay with me, which was nice. But, um, you know, when he would go home to do whatever, um, they would say, oh, well, when your husband comes back, we'll show you how to do this and mm-hmm. we'll show you how to do that. And I finally said, no, wait a minute. Um, I'm going to be the main caregiver. So please show me. And, uh, Apparently, I was the talk of the whole nurses station after that, <laughs> which which kind of bothered me because uh, the hospital I went to, apparently a blind lady had worked there and had delivered her own babies there. So mm. I sort of expected a little more from them. But anyways, they learned. And then the second time around, um, I knew a nurse had my baby and, and they were doing something with her. I can't remember if it was the, the needles they give, like the blood work or whatever. I can't mm. remember. But then I heard her sit down and I heard my baby sucking. And I'm like, are you feeding my baby? And she's like, oh. yeah. And I said, oh, please give me my baby. Like, I'm going to be wow. the one feeding her. Whoa. Yeah, so, no doubt. Holy. You know, dealing with that. And so as a result, when I came home um, with my second one, she was, well, both were very colicky. But my second mm. one, um, because now I had two kids, uh, it was a little more stressful and I, I was really struggling with her crying a lot. And uh, so I had to take her to the doctor and then I had a, a bad experience at the doctor's office because I have a guide dog. They didn't want the guide dog. And it just like, oh, it was just one geez. horror after another <laughs> and I'm hormonal. So, you know, now I'm crying and just oh. a wreck and, uh, and somebody mentioned going to the nurses, um, center and I thought I don't want to go there where they might think I'm an unfit mom and take my baby mm-hmm. away and just like a lot of it is hormonal thinking but mm-hmm. um but still and and I went there and they were wonderful like the gig oh. reminded me of some drops to give her which made like all the difference and no mm-hmm. one said you know how are you managing or nothing like it was just like yeah. I was any other mom and it was oh. <laughs> a good experience at the end <laughs> yeah yeah wow. I I know that's part of the reason I got a doula was the fear of how the medical team would react or, or interact with me, I guess, being blind. And it was kind of like, here's this mediator person who can Mm. deal with anything that comes up so that I don't have to, while I'm just trying to deliver a baby, right? Like you just don't, you don't want to have, be having to advocate for your own needs or your own capabilities in that moment and yeah even you have enough to worry about <laughs> yeah even afterwards that you don't need it you know you've there's so much new there's so much that you're dealing with plus the hormones after giving birth mm-hmm. um you, you really don't need any of that I, I remember even being anxious about the public nurse coming to the house actually I wouldn't let her come which looking back was kind of dumb but um you know she would probably would have been fine but I had just heard too many horror stories and mm-hmm. so I just said well I have a midwife and she's helping me out and it was all true and you know we managed but 
Yeah. That, that visit afterwards actually is, is probably the one moment of the whole thing for me, the public health nurse comes to visit, but my doula was there thankfully when she came and I was having issues breastfeeding and they all got to observe me and I was frustrated and I had an audience and it was just so stressful (laughs) but then the doula went out with her and they had a little chat and she told her that she didn't have any concerns and that you know whatever I would be able to manage and so uh, it kind of sucks that 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 has to even I don't and maybe it had nothing to do with my blindness maybe it was just the situation maybe they were worried about I don't know but you always think that right Mm -hmm. if I wasn't blind would would this even be a concern Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, it just, it's kind of lingers in the back of your mind with every new situation with that new baby. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, I could definitely see there it's like, you, a little bit, like you said, with the hormones and just everything being so new and the blindness on top of that, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I remember even with my second one after she was born, you know, my other daughter was four and a half going on five and, uh, I, I think just because I was nervous of having two kids and my other daughter demanded a lot of me at, at her age. And then of course you have this baby that's demanding a lot of you. Um, I found I was actually walking into walls more than normal. And I, I remember crying a few times, just going, this isn't right. Like I never did this with my first baby, but, um, I mean, I always had my hand, on the back of her head. So it was always my hand that got the bump, but it still mm. really bothered me. Mm-hmm. And, and it was really only a short time. Um, you know, you do get comfortable and used to things, but it was just, you know, in the beginning. And then of course you're thinking, Oh, but they're so new. You don't want anything to happen. And, but I mean, sighted people have things happen too. Right. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a really a good, good point. That is a good point that you're always, you're always you always have at least one hand full and usually two when you're carrying your baby around. Yep, yep. <laughs> so you better really know your own home. Yep. <laughs> and there's so much stuff, baby yes. stuff, baby swing and baby chair and baby, I don't know. There's just so much stuff. Ba- these babies, they're little, but the stuff is not little. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And then you've got your other stuff on top of it, whether it's your cane, if you're going out mm. or your guide dog, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's one more. So, yeah be a lot to balance at once like a cane or another child yeah like Yeah, like my when my second child was born my first one was starting kindergarten and so mm. you know I had the stroller which I pulled behind me and then I had my guide dog in front and then I had my other daughter and <laughs> yeah it was it was not easy but I mean I'm glad I did it but <laughs> a little procession yeah. down the sidewalk kind of yeah, like it. exactly yeah <laughs> you're not discreet that's for sure here no, comes the no. blind mom <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a really fun little image in my head <laughs> <laughs> there seems to be a lot of visual aspects to being a parent like whether it's like how do you teach your kid to like hold a spoon and or like write their name or like you know is their shirt on backwards anything like that um, there's just all these visual components that you kind of think about. And I was just curious if you guys, when you first had, like had took your baby home and as they got older, were there any like major visual components that you were really concerned about and how did you guys kind of learn or adapt or anything like that to figure out these visual components? For me, it was color coordinating. I, I, I don't know why I was so worried about it. I mean, but again, you don't, want people to go, oh, of course, that's the blind mom. So I had 
outfits pinned together or I would try and use the sleepers so that it was all one piece and you didn't mm -hmm. have to worry. And, and like, even as they got a little older, I was still anxious about that kind of thing. And it, it took me a long time to relax in some of those areas or worrying, what if there's food on my child's, you know, face or, or clothing. So I was kind of a little hyper in that area and making sure, you know, always clean clothes and always washing their face and, yep. um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and a lot of shirts and stuff, they do have little tags or whatever in the back where you can feel the picture mm -hmm. in the front. So, you know, there's that. And as far as like holding a spoon, well, most little babies, when they're ready, they'll grab that spoon. You don't have to teach them how to hold it. They just, oh, they watch and they, they just grab. Right. And, <laughs> um, it's more the mess that they leave behind that, that, <laughs> yes. that is a little harder, you know, but again, like we put a um, mat like thing under the high chair so that, you know, that mat could be wiped up and stuff. But I mean, kids are creative. The older they get, they get more creative in how they hide their messes. So you, you know, but you grow with them and that's the thing, you know, it's not like you need all the answers at once you grow mm. with them and you figure these things out. So um, as far as teaching them their name and stuff, I bought um, magnetic letters that you can feel, the print letters. And oh, yeah. I worked with the kids with that. And um, yeah, that's sort of how, and, and both my girls are were avid readers, even in kindergarten. So yeah, it's funny. I was relieved to have a boy because of the matching of the clothes. I thought, well, <laughs> little boys are easier in that regard. It's like jeans and a t-shirt. Okay, we're, we got this. <laughs> I don't have to worry about like pretty dresses and matching ribbons and shoes and socks and whatever. Um, <laughs> but I think I remember the very first time I gave my baby a bath and my mom was with me. She kind of prepared when my husband went back to work. After, I think he took a week off when, when Nicholas was born. And so my mom planned to come over every day that first week that he went back to work. Mm -hmm. And I remember she was there for the first bath in the sink. And I had this, this like soft kind of foamy flower. Like it looked like a flower, but you put it in the sink. So the baby wouldn't have to be in the cold sink. And anyways, I, my, I think my mom was like prepared to be in there doing it or helping me or whatever. And I just did, I just did it. I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I <laughs> used the nozzle of the, this is the kitchen sink, right? So you got your nozzle thing and I, I don't know, I, I did it and he, it was fine. And so you really just kind of figure it out. Like your changing diapers was easy for me. I had babysat before, so I had done that, mm. although probably not a newborn. They're pretty tiny, but um, <laughs> dressing the baby wasn't a big deal. And yeah, there's like, it's onesies in the beginning. So that's pretty easy. Um, it was probably like spoon feeding was the first super challenging thing trying to, and I remember kind of telling my husband, I didn't, I didn't want anyone else to feed the baby because I didn't want him to learn that the spoon would just land in his mouth. Oh. I wanted him to learn that he had to kind of, um, help too. you know, like mm -hmm. <laughs> try to position his mouth in the right place when the spoon's coming at him. Cause of <laughs> course he ended up, he'd end up with food up his nose. And one, if he turned his head at the wrong moment, he'd get it in the ear. I would just hold one hand under his chin and the other hand would have the spoon of food. Mm -hmm. And I'd try to aim it into the little <laughs> hole of his mouth, but 
we didn't have perfect aim, (laughs) (laughs) but I had like massive bibs. I had the kind of smock bib that covers Mm. your arms and your front of you and all the bibs had like a pocket in the front so food would fall down into the pocket um some of the bibs were like a hard plastic so I could actually scoop the food out of the bib Mm. and try again because I I worried a bit about how much food actually got in (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and the cleanup yes oh so much cleanup and it's so funny Levette you're saying about you know, checking their face or having them go. I still, when Nicholas and I leave the house, if I'm taking him somewhere, I still will do like the quick swipe of my hand over his face to make sure there's no (laughs) remnants of breakfast or (laughs) because you do think, oh, if, if your kid doesn't match or if their face is a mess, it's like, oh, of course his mom's blind. She doesn't know. Mm. Now he picks out his own clothes and some days he goes to school with an interesting array of, you know, maybe shorts and a t-shirt that are not colors that would go together. And I find out later, my husband will say, oh yeah, he looked pretty interesting today. I'm like, what? You let him leave like that? (laughs) But he is picking out his own clothes. It's not me. (laughs) And and even sighted kids do that. I hear that. So, well, the the funny, like matching the socks, it's a thing. I don't know if it's still a thing. It was a thing a while ago of kids would wear different colored socks it is still a thing yeah yeah and here i'm like (laughs) obsessive about making sure that the socks have the matching mate all the time and yeah apparently it's cool not to match (laughs) yeah yeah i think any parent that i talk to uh, including my own explain that it's a learning process there's no one size fit all approach to parenting because even with levette you were saying with your two daughters things were different with with each of your daughters so it's like like you guys said it's you learn on the job that's like i think the description of a mother you just you learn on the job and hopefully things yeah you said you grow with them and i really actually really liked that it was like simple and sweet and to the point and it really like explains it well and i really liked that so you guys were kind of talking about how it's really obvious you know you're the blind mom when you're walking down the street with the guide dog and the cane and the stroller um but I was kind of curious how disclosing your vision to your children went. Um, was it you kind of just told them or did they kind of piece it together? Like, I'm kind of curious of how how that went for you both. Well, I mean, he just always knew. It. There was no having to explain. Like, you know, he just, they just, they're, you're their mom. In fact, it's more, he did ask me one day why other moms aren't blind. So, <laughs> you know, the standard is completely reverse, right? It's like, this is just, if you don't know any differently, you don't know any differently. You don't know that there's anything to even ask about. Uh, I think there's signs of like, from a very young age, he would put things in my hand when he was trying to show them to me. I think he picked up you know, he just picked up that I couldn't see. It was not anything I ever really explained to him. We definitely talk about it a little bit, but yeah, it was, it was kind of just, he just knew. Yeah. With my girls, um, similar to Sean in, in one aspect. Um, however, there were a couple of times where I realized, oh, you know, I can't see, and you just took advantage of that. Mm. Um, you know, and so I would then, you know, say something like, you know, I could hear you do that. So I may not be able to see you, but I heard it. (laughs) So, you know, you sort of address, you can address it that way. But um, yeah, I didn't make a big deal about it. I don't think, Uh, interestingly enough, with my younger daughter, she's 
always been a, a lot more expressive um, body language, that kind of thing. So I had to be a little more hands-on with her to know what was going on. Um, but we were at somebody's house and she found some spilled juice or milk or something on a chair. So she went to the husband of the house and you know, told him to come with her and she grabbed his hand and she put his hand in the mess what? to show him. <laughs> and, and to this day, he tells that story. And oh, I thought Aww. that was rather interesting. So. <laughs> She's so funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there's the saying that, you know, to be a parent, you have to have eyes in the back of your head just to know what's happening at all times. But like, yeah, I, for the most part, I'm assuming you guys can hear what's going on. I mean, kids always try to be sneaky and pull stuff off, but um, like, uh, has there been an experience where you could be, your child has done something in a sneaky way and you guys found out like a little bit later? And oh yeah. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Drawing on stuff. Yeah. Oh. That was a big one, uh, with one of my daughters drawing on things and, um, you know, I had to kind of hide all the pens and pencils and crayons and stuff for a while, unless I was supervising. Um, but interestingly enough, sort of along that topic, I hope you don't mind me throwing this in, but. Uh, there were a few times where either friends would be over or even my husband, we'd be sitting in the kitchen and they'd be going, oh, I wonder what the kids are up to. And I would tell them because I could still hear, even though, you know, I couldn't see and they were in a different room, but I knew all the sounds. So I would tell them and a couple of times people wouldn't believe me and they'd get up and go look and they're like, you're right. How'd you know? I'm like, well, just know my sounds. I know my kids. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, totally. It's when they're quiet that you really have to worry. Yes. <laughs> you need and to even go looking. parents will tell you that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know Nicholas, sometimes I'll be putting lotion on him and, and in between I'll, you know, go back to the lotion to get another squirt of lotion and go reach for him. And he's stepped out of my reach. He thinks that's funny, which he's just starting to do that a little bit. Mm. And I'm just like, that's not funny. Get over here. But I, I don't, I don't think he's doing it like, I don't know that it has anything to do with me being blind. I mean, a little bit, cause it's easier for him to play with me that way. I think he's just being a seven-year-old boy, like, ha 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 ha, you went to reach for me and I wasn't there. So yeah. And, and when he does that, I do kind of say like, Hey, that's not cool. I don't like that. I can't see that you've stepped away. And we talk about it a little bit, but for the most part so far, knock on wood, he hasn't <laughs> done too much to take advantage of my blindness. When you kind of, when you guys explain to them like, Oh, like I couldn't like, that's not cool or whatever. Like I couldn't see you move away. Do they like react any differently because like they realized you couldn't see them doing it? Or is it just like, oh, okay, fine. Like, um, for kids. Yeah, yeah. He, he'll say, sorry. Like mm. the same way he would if he was, you know, talking back or doing anything else that I was reprimanding him about. So it's just, mm -hmm. I don't think it's super emotional. Like I don't get the impression he feels sorry that I'm blind mm. or pity or anything like that. I, it just is. And I've really tried over the years to kind of really stress what I can do, you know, mm -hmm. like just cause I can't see that doesn't mean I, you know, look, I'm still making you your lunch or I'm still picking out your clothes or I'm still helping you with your bath or whatever it is. So yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. That, that also can backfire though. I had an incident with my daughter when she was a teenager, she, she went through some anxiety issues and um, I didn't, really like walking her to and from the counseling. I thought she should do that herself as part of her therapy. But what did it one day was I crossed and it was at a turning light and I almost got hit by a big truck that I didn't mm -hmm. even hear. 
uh, which shook me up quite a bit. And not only that, but I felt like she needed to be doing it on her own because her younger sister had to always come with. She was too young to be left alone. Um, so I, you know, kind of talked to the counselor and her about it. And, um, but then she apparently told my younger daughter, well, I don't know what's wrong with mom. It's not like she's disabled or anything. <laughs> I thought, oh my, that's like that card a little too well. <laughs> yeah, that, you don't know whether to celebrate that or not. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the one time you want a little little bit of compensation, right? It mm-hmm. sort of backfires on you. But, you know, recently my youngest daughter said that, um, you know, having a blind mom has taught her um, how to explain things really well. She's an excellent writer, partly because of that. She feels um, she feels she's more sensitive to people who ha- have other disabilities or other struggles in life. So, I mean, that's kind of encouraging things to hear. I think my son has empathy. Like, I think he, I think he really can sort of pick up on what people need or don't need or how they feel, which is, I think, partly because of me being blind too. It's, it's cool to watch. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Just like, I feel like it'd be really interesting just and exciting to see them just take that experience of having a blind mom and like taking that in just to like how they treat other people and how they react to situations. I think that would be really just like kind of heartwarming and just really like, Oh, like it's just so cool. It actually like, you know, like they're totally fine with the blind thing and it didn't affect them or anything like that. Right. So. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I worried about kind of like taking my son to school and what, what would the other kids think about me being blind and would they, tease him about me or, you know, would he be embarrassed? And that was something I really worried a lot about. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I, it, it really, well, I guess in kindergarten, thankfully there was other moms in our complex and our kids were in the same kindergarten class. So there were some moms I already knew the kids already knew me, some of the kids. So they were used to seeing my white cane around our complex. They knew me, but I did ask to speak with the kindergarten class and go in and talk Mm. about blindness. And I, I just really wanted the kids to start off, you know, just with a positive perspective and, and just normalizing the white cane and what that meant for my son so that that wouldn't be a a situation down the road so yeah that was definitely one of my worries though I almost always talked to the kids probably up until grade five or six and some of them you know had heard the talk two or three times by then (laughs) but uh, yeah I think it's important um, because then the kids can ask questions and it it takes a little bit of pressure hopefully off of your child having to answer all the questions because I know my girls got tired of answering the questions, you know, like they'd be like, how does your mom cook? And she's like, like every other mom, like to her, <laughs> yeah. there was no difference. Right. So uh, I was able to then answer some of those questions and take hopefully that off of them somewhat, mm-hmm. at least for the younger years. Yeah. Uh, I think having that be like, just like taking that step to, especially in like the younger years and with the younger kids and grades, like both of you kind of going into their schools and their classrooms and, normalizing it and I feel like that's a really impactful like at a young age so I feel like that's just a really good like kind of healthy way to look look this is completely fine like it's I can do the same things all your other moms can do kind of thing right so 
Well, when I went, I was kind of disappointed actually, when I talked to the kindergarten class, I thought they would have a ton of questions, <laughs> but I think because, <laughs> because they had already known me and some of them knew me pretty well, like had been to my house and been, you know, coming over for play dates and stuff already. There wasn't a lot of questions. It was kind of old news. I'm like, Oh, all right. Obviously this is more of a big deal to me than it is to them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I got more questions about my dog, you know, or I've got mm. a dog at home too. Like they just, right. especially in kindergarten and grade one, they don't have the same ability to come up with questions about mm -hmm. real life things. It's, <laughs> it's more the really simple things, you know, and you sort of find yourself going, Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and was this like a reoccurring thing? Was it like you guys kind of just stopped after kindergarten or you would go um maybe every school did, year and talk about it I did right up until I think grade five-ish or something but mm. I also didn't talk to just my child's class I made it known oh. to the school that I would talk to other classes which I did um, one of the reasons I did it was because there was a blind child in the school system so mm. Uh, in that school. So I hoped that would help. So. For me, I tried with the grade one teacher. She never really invited me in. I also did let the secretary of the school know when I registered him for kindergarten that I would be happy to talk to the whole school. Like I was, I mean, that's what I do anyway, right? <laughs> Part of what I do is educate people about blindness. So, um, and then COVID happened. So I haven't even met his grade two teacher face to face, but mm. I hope that everything goes back to normal, bef you know, before he's in high school. <laughs> and <laughs> hopefully I'll have an opportunity to, yeah, go in again. Cause it's, he's got a lot of new kids in his class. And this year I haven't even gone to the school at all. So, mm. Yeah. I'm just thinking as a student, like I would have really appreciated that myself because yeah. normalizing, you know, kids in schools have different kinds of disabilities or different kind of uh, experiences in their life. So I think having an adult talking about it in classrooms would be really nice. I kind of wish that we had that chance, but and I wish that a lot of teachers jump at the chance and the schools really encourage it. So I'm uh, happy to hear that you guys did that for your children's classes and, and love it that you did it in general in your son's and your sorry your daughter's school so that's that's amazing I remember a blind couple coming into my elementary school when I was a kid and I think it was during white cane week and they they it was an assembly and they came and talked and they showed some of the things they used and at that point in my life I didn't even really understand that I was going to be blind myself but I I still remember like it stands out as a memory and it was obviously impactful and you know, a little bit encouraging too. like, oh, blind people can do stuff. That's cool. <laughs> I think kind of like plants the seed in your, in your mind really early on. And like you said, it sticks mm -hmm. with you. You remember it these many years later. So that's yeah. why I think it's such an amazing experience. Um, so another question um, I was actually kind of curious about was because I know like me growing up and I had a home with just like siblings and like we all had kind of certain things we would help out with, um, kind of thing right and with anything visual or not any kind of chores and I was just wondering like with certain some of the um possibly more visual aspects of like I don't know maybe doing laundry or something did you, do you find your kids helped you more with some of those visual aspects of like just daily life and chores and everything was it like something that they really noticed um excuse me that you needed help with or they're um, just kind of like, here, come help me because it's, you know, you're old enough to do it now too kind of thing. 
Yeah, I'm curious to hear Lavette's answer. So I'll answer first. But um, for me, Nicholas isn't really doing chores yet. I keep saying we need to start that. And, you know, it's it's simple things like bring your plate from the table to the counter and pick up your clothes and put them in your hamper at this point. Although he has been helping match his socks since before he could talk like he he couldn't name the colors but he could still match which ones went together because mm. i was so wanting him to make sure that his socks matched so I, <laughs> i'll fold the laundry and actually he still helps with pajamas because we'll often have two pairs of pajamas that feel exactly the same but they're different mm. so i want to make sure the right shirt goes with the right pants and then i fold them together so mm. he has helped me with that um, but where he is really helping is in baking. So we've been doing baking with blind beginnings and Jill leads us through that. Um, and so like measuring, like I'll pour the oil into the measuring cup and I've so, kind of got my finger there, but he's also going to tell me when mm. to stop pouring and we're a good pair that way because I don't trust myself in the kitchen I'm not a very good <laughs> cook so I feel like you know together we make a really great baker <laughs> I love that yeah yeah with my girls it was more part of you know you're part of this family you need to be you know helping and and I saw it as not so much because of my blindness but more they need to be trained to do these things for when they don't have their own homes Mm -hmm. um, one of my daughters did say to me once, well, I don't want to learn from you. I want to make my own mistakes. And like, okay, well, um, but there were still, you know, things that was expected of them, like keeping their room clean and, um, not that they were good at it, but, um, <laughs> they knew if I came in, it was with a garbage bag. And I, <laughs> like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So they knew that pretty early on. So if mom came with a garbage bag, they knew they had to start running and putting things away. <laughs> um, but you know, as, as my daughters got older, especially my youngest tends to be more of a helper than the older one. And that's just who she is. It has nothing to do with my blindness. She would help anybody. Um, but if it's blind related that she's helping me with, I will try and compensate in some way, whether it's, you know, a lunch out or, you know, we go to Michael's and she gets to pick out something just, just to make up a little bit for it. Now, not every tiny little thing, but if it's mm -hmm. going to be a little more time consuming on her end, and if it's totally related to my blindness, like my guide dog did a, um, a terrible crossing the other day so I asked her to come with me and watch and help me recross the street a few times to mm. reinforce to him that no this is not how we cross the street <laughs> um so you know it relieves my husband a little bit because he's busy and and so you know usually I would then you know give her some kind of treat we ended up going to Starbucks so that was her her mm. treat right mm -hmm. but that's kind of but we also, like I said, made it pretty clear, you know, you're part of a family, everybody works together. And if everybody works together, things get done a lot faster. <laughs> and like for me, I make dinner, um, but I'm slower at serving it. So mm. my husband and daughter do the serving and then we all help with dishes. So okay. that's, a, that's a good point, because I feel like, you know, I'm getting him to help match his own stuff, which I think is, is but if I was getting him to help me with something that is fully me, then that maybe is where the line is different. You know what I mean? Like, I think I like the idea of giving them some compensation or for doing that because that's sort of beyond 
just like what you should do as part of this family. Yeah. Well, just, we are a unique family, but yeah, it, it can get a little, it'll get a little much if you don't, I think, compensate. You don't want them to resent yeah. helping you, right? Mm. I mean, they'll go through that as teens anyways. It doesn't matter what you do. First. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me that. <laughs> well, some, some kids are better than others at that. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So, Lavette, you mentioned about you having a guide dog. And Sean, I think you mentioned in one of our past episodes that you had a guide dog for a bit. I'm kind of curious, did your children understand that it was a guide dog or did they just kind of think it was a pet? And like, I'm kind of curious of how that went. Right from day one, my girls knew the rules. Like, you know, I would tell them, you know, or if I caught them feeding the dog, no, we don't feed him. And, you know, I would talk to them about it at whatever level they could understand it. Uh, when we were out and about, if they were young enough, they had to hold my hand. My rule was, if I let go of your hand because I need to do something with the dog, you must grab hold of my jacket sleeve or something mm -hmm. because I always wanted contact with them. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, they kind of grew up with it. They kind of knew the ins and outs. Um, they didn't like me going away to get a new dog, <laughs> but, uh, and it was a bit of an adjustment, you know, coming home with a new dog. Mm. Right. But, um, uh, they both, they both love the dogs and, you know, they know their purpose. So, yeah. I think Nicholas was two when I got my dog and I only had her for a year, but, um, and he does, he did that was the only dog we've ever had. So I guess for him, it was just sort of, he understood that dog went with me everywhere. Um, and when the harness was on, it was going to work, but I didn't really work the dog and take my son at the same time mm -hmm. uh, because the dog walked much faster than my little two-year-old could. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> so I would actually come home from work, leave the dog at home, grab my cane, go pick him up at daycare, bring him home. Mm. Um, and then I think, you know, we tried going to the park once, uh, which is only like a block away and with the dog and the kid. And it was, it, it was doable sort of, but I think my dog was pretty confused. Mm. Who's this other attachment? <laughs> so I don't know. I, he loved, he just loved her. He still has a, a I have a little stuffed animal guide dog with a harness oh, that he sleeps oh. with still. And oh, calls her dog. Dog. Yeah. Oh, oh, he but, calls the toy the dog thing. That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh. Yeah. Some dogs adjust better than others too, with having a little one. My, my, uh, one of my dogs, when my first daughter was two and I got her, um, she was really sensitive. She would even stop if she thought my daughter would trip, oh. um, which is really unusual. Most of them, you know, they're not trained for that, mm -hmm. but she did it. And it was pretty, pretty awesome. Right. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> but oh. it is a tough time at that point, you know, like if you're going to be, whether using a cane, I guess, or a dog, you know, you're either having to use a stroller or put them on your back. I did that for a while. Um, but boy, they get heavy quick. <laughs> yeah. I never used a stroller. I always, I carried him on my front. And then when he was older onto my back in a like a baby backpack, mm. and then uh -huh. pretty much there was a period of time, like maybe 18 months to two and a half where it was hard to go anywhere because he was too heavy for me to carry on me, but he was, he didn't have the endurance to walk mm -hmm. 
like I do remember one trip to the park where I had to carry him home and you know one child in arm using the cane in the other and <laughs> it was a little unbalanced <laughs> a little not the best technique and it was he's heavy and so yeah there was kind of that uh-huh. building of okay, you need to learn to walk farther so we can go more places. Um, but I don't know. It's funny when you're in it, every stage feels so long, like it's never going to end. And this is hard. And then, and then before you know it, you're over it and on to the next thing. So, so the one kind of maybe more in depth question in a way, um, do you guys have any advice and tips or tricks for parents in general, but also visually impaired parents that you would like to share? Uh, I think for me, like for parents in general, not to be afraid to talk to blind parents because we're very similar to them. Um, There's more similarities than differences. And our kids need friends just as much as other kids. Um, And I guess for blind parents to realize you're not alone and there's people out there you can reach out and talk to and people have done it before you so um yeah you know where there's a will there's a way yeah I would say it's being a parent is probably the hardest thing I've done but it's also the most rewarding um best thing I've done so it's it's hard like I had no idea I don't think and people say that (laughs) they say that but I didn't believe them like how hard could it be I mean you know it's baby it's just gonna lay beside me and I'll be able to just do all the things (laughs) that I've been doing oh it's such an adjustment um so I guess just be prepared your life is going to completely be turned upside down but it's worth it it's pretty amazing yeah and I'm I was I'm lucky because I've had Lavette to ask questions of and <laughs> along the way. So it is so helpful to know that there are others that have walked this path before you and can, you know, offer suggestions and possible things to try and just tell stories of what they did or didn't do and what worked or didn't work. It's so helpful. Was there any like adaptive things you used as like a visually impaired mom? Uh, I had a bowl a plastic bowl that came with this grippy flat thing that you could put on the table so that it Mm. would sort of stop the bowl from sliding around so when my son started feeding himself that was I mean I would probably say that's a good thing to use if your child any child like Mm -hmm. but I guess for me just wanting to make sure that he didn't throw the bowl off the table and then I'd have to clean up a mess that I wasn't sure exactly where it all landed Mm -hmm. um and then you know the bib that collected the food Mm -hmm. with the little kind of tray in front of it was also something that I would take with me everywhere I went <laughs> if I knew I was going to have to feed him. Nowadays they have these little pouches, these like applesauce kind of pouches Ooh. that you just literally put the end of it in your child's mouth and squeeze it <laughs> and they can suck it out of the thing, which is like the best thing for any time we were out anywhere and he was going to need to eat something. Um, but yeah, there wasn't too much adaptive stuff. It's kind of, I don't know. That's all I can think of, really. Mm-hmm. For me, I had a, a an attachment for the stroller that attached to the stroller, and then there was a bit of space, and then it, there was a belt that went around my waist. 
theoretically, as you walk, the stroller would come with. Um, but I learned pretty quickly that on corner, corners or curbs, I oh. needed to make sure I had a hand <laughs> on that um, because we don't want to chip <laughs> the valuable cargo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, um, yeah, and the other was when she got the girls got a little older, <clears throat> um, I had a harness that, and, and a lot of people might balk at that, but you know, it's your child's life, right? So mm. the harness I had, I felt was one of the best. And a lot of people asked me, where did you get that? And I got it oh. from a friend, so I can't tell anyone where I got it, <laughs> but it basically goes around my waist. And then there's an adjustable piece that goes between me and the child and then the other end goes around the child's waist and the buckle isn't overly easy to open mm. but I also insisted on them holding my hands even with that um, mm. but as they got a little older I could let them you know not necessarily hold my hand as long as I could feel the tension of them there right. um, but I yeah I don't think there was any other you know real adapt just well oh that well braille um books to read to them i guess yeah, would be one. i was wondering about that yeah yeah and i did a lot of reading to the girls um so yeah we had you know braille print books and that carried in over like to the point where one of my daughters didn't want to learn to read at first she goes well i said to her you know what are you going to do you're going to be growing up and you won't know how to read and she goes you can always read to me <laughs> 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 so Did these, uh, so were these yeah. books like they were like picture books and had yes. like the pictures mm -hmm. and the braille and the print yes or did you have like you had a braille copy and they had a print copy no no it was oh, one book okay. all oh, together cool. and then the other oh. we, we spent I made sure I took the girls to the library when they'd have story mm -hmm. time and stuff and oh, yeah. um so they'd have that and then the librarian was really helpful and she gave us a bunch of books that, that, well, back then it was cassettes. And so mm -hmm. you would listen to it and it would beep to turn the page. And so, oh, cool. you know, we could listen to the story together, but my daughters would have the advantage of still seeing oh, the pictures. That's really cool. Yeah. 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 That, and there was also, now that I'm talking, <laughs> uh, I think it was leap pad or something. And it was a little book that came with a cartridge and you put the cartridge in and, and there was a pen that you had to point at different things. And so mm. we put little round dots on the different things so that I would know initially where to point them to help my child learn how to use the, the device. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. And as you're talking, I'm thinking like now, um, we recently started playing connect four, which I just put stickers on all of one of the colors. And so that's mm. my, those are mine. And then his are the other ones. And so we can play connect four together or we have like braille uno and yes, right. You can, yeah, kind of make little adaptations mm -hmm. to games so that you can play as a family and mm -hmm. whether you're blind or sighted. Uno is a good way for you to help your kids learn their numbers and their colors, actually. Oh, um, true. If you have them brailled, um, I, I definitely encouraged that game partly for that reason. <laughs> so mm -hmm. because for me, I've never seen color. So it's mm -hmm. kind of this inanimate object or inanimate <laughs> uh, whatever out there. Um, so yeah, it was able to help them at least learn some of the colors. That's really cool. Actually. Yeah. Cause that's a good point. Like, how do you teach them like what color it's, you can't see it kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. you have a certain, obviously like connection to that color, like, you know, water is blue or something like that, but like 
it'd be a hard thing to teach them if you can't see it. And, you know, if you have a sighted spouse, there's nothing wrong with letting them, mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to be deadbeat parent. Um, <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with them teaching them some of these things too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't it's have not to be all, all up person. to us. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Cause I feel like trying to teach your kid how to like write their name. Cause like, Levette, you said you had the a magnetic, um, like, sh- or letters. Yeah. To spell out their name. But like, how do you teach them to write their name? Like, I feel like there's certain things. Like well, handwriting be, isn't so yeah. much a thing anymore. Like they don't really mm. teach handwriting anymore. Yeah, but true. As far as print, like I had an old machine that probably no one knows about anymore called an Opticon. And it raises the print letter onto your finger. Oh, and cool. so um, I would use that to check their their printing. And if I could read it, then it was pretty good. If I couldn't read it, <laughs> you probably needed improvements. Now we could use seeing AI. It's, it does yeah. work for printing if it's neat oh, enough. Okay. So that okay. could be the, the modern yeah. version of that. <laughs> That's, That's really right. Cool. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, my son had, he struggled with learning to read and that was definitely a challenge for me. I feel like, mm. um, you know, he would spell the letter in my hand with his finger mm. uh, if he wasn't he'd mix up his b's and d's sometimes oh, and <laughs> so he would spell it and i'd try to decipher that whatever he was doing and try to help and then once he now you know he can recognize now he's reading just this year but uh it was it was hard because most of the books my braille wasn't it was okay when we were reading board books but now that he's older he wants to read chapter books mm. and i you know <laughs> if i tried to read a chapter book in braille we'd be here till christmas it's i just <laughs> i'm too slow so and he wants to see the pictures too but mm. but yeah that was that was an interesting challenge just the but i just made my husband do more of the reading because mm. yeah. yeah it's easier for him yeah exactly and like you said like you don't have to do every little mm-hmm. thing right like it's yeah. yeah, you can feel you that like? way, but it's not really fair mm. to this spouse, right? Yeah. Like sometimes I wouldn't let my husband come into the doctor's office with me with the mm. kids because the doctor would talk to him instead of me. Oh, and I'm like, right. I'm the caregiver, right? And, mm. you know, he'd feel like, well, I don't want to look like a deadbeat dad. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, you do have to work some of those things out. Yeah, true. Well, I... um, well thank you, Sean and Lavette, for joining us today and sharing your experiences as a blind mom. It was really helpful for me and hopefully all parents and future parents and blind parents and everything involved. Um, and we would like to wish every mom a happy Mother's Day. Thanks for having us. Yes, Ooh. thank you. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I have been one of your hosts, Ishita Bhatia, and my co-host Jill. And if you have any questions or topic suggestions, email us at limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. And thank you for listening. See you in the next one. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.